Matthew chapter number two. And uh, since Pastor did preach verse by verse through this last Sunday morning, and uh, there's only really one passage that talks about the wise men, which I figure we'd just use like the NIV or something this morning and find some new truths that uh, haven't been preached here before. So uh, <clears throat> anyhow, no, we'll stick with the King James. But uh, hey, you know, the, the Lord has, it's not really, it's not really what, uh, if you're teaching or preaching, it's not what you pull out of the passage. It's what the Lord does in the hearts of people. And so obviously God has something for us this morning from this passage again. However, <clears throat> if, you were, if you did not uh, get a chance to be here last Sunday morning, uh, I would encourage you to listen to it. Um, and again, Pastor talked about uh, the wise men obviously seeking Christ and what they did to seek Christ and how they sought Christ. And uh, we will look at that in, uh, this morning also in a little bit. I'll take a little different angle to it. Uh, but you can't look at the wise men in the story and not look at how they sought Christ. That's what the whole story's about. And so really just a few verses, but I believe it'll be a help to you this morning. Let's do this uh, this morning before we even read the passage. Uh, let's stop and pray. And, and listen, for your sake, would you stop this morning and try to take your mind off of all the Christmas celebrations and things that have taken place uh, in your life in the last couple days or maybe in the next few days? And why don't you ask God this morning to speak to you? I know he has uh, something for you this morning from this passage. Let's go to the Lord and ask him to speak to us here this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we stop, Lord, this Sunday school hour, thank you, Lord, uh, for the opportunity that we have, Lord, first of all, just to be in your house this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we enjoy Thank you, Lord, that we have a copy of your word. Lord, thank you that we can, Lord, come to you this morning knowing that you are wanting to speak to us. And Lord, I pray that our minds this morning would be focused on you. Lord, that we would take the simple truths from this passage of scripture. And Lord, not just to have another Sunday school lesson, but Lord, apply them to our lives. Lord, help us in the next few minutes. Lord, teach us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter number two. Let's read the passage, just 12 verses long, and then uh, we'll look at this. I want to say this to start with, too. You do have a Sunday school lesson, or should have got one coming in, and um, it's about why the wise men uh, were wise, and I hope you'll take a, take a look at that. We're not going to go that direction, particularly this morning, but um, uh, again, I hope you've got that lesson. All right, Matthew chapter number two, look at verse number one. The Bible says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, church family, I, I'm going to say this before we really even read this whole passage. We really just have a few verses of scripture about the wise men. We really don't know anything about them prior to them coming to find Christ. And when we get to the end of these 12 verses, they turn around and go back home. And I don't really know what happened after that in their lives, all right? <clears throat> so our, our, our truths and our thoughts and our application are going to come from this little segment of their lives. But there is a lot to learn from it. So verse number two, the Bible says, they came to Jerusalem, verse number one, saying, verse number two, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse number three, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now our thoughts gonna really come from verses two and three. I'm gonna read the rest of the passage, but I wanna point out uh, at the start, I don't believe that the wise men particularly came to Herod. They came to Jerusalem looking for Christ and as, as I read and see the story, and again, we don't have maybe all of the details that we would uh, imagine in our mind of what took place, but I don't see them coming to Herod and saying, hey, Herod, uh, uh, where's this, this king of the Jews that's born? Where, where's Christ? I, I see them coming to Jerusalem and asking around and saying, hey, I don't, I don't know where they, maybe they just literally asked on the street. Maybe they went to uh, City Hall for, for Jerusalem. I don't know where they went, but they went around and they're looking for Christ. Hey, we've seen his star. We know he's been born. Where is he at? And that 
gets transferred to Herod. And Herod hears that they're here. And Herod hears that they're, they're looking for Christ. And then we, that's where we come into verse number three. And when he heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Verse number four, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Our pastor pointed out an interesting point last week that I think is worth noting if you, if you weren't here. It's interesting, Herod, as wicked and as, as uh, much of an unbeliever as he was, he knew where to go find out where Christ was supposed to be born. He knew where to go find the truth. And uh, again, he goes to them and he asks them, and the Bible says this in verse 5, And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, verse number 6, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now look at verse number seven. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men and inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Now that's an, that's an important bit of information. He wanted to know when they first saw the star. So, so he, he asked the wise men, hey, when, when did you first realize that the star was there and when did you start your journey coming this direction? That's important because later on after the wise men didn't come back like he wanted and told him where Christ was, he went to, to Bethlehem and he the Bible t talks about it in verse number, um, verse number 16. When Herod, when he saw, he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath, and sent forth and slew all of the children in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof. And look at this. From two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So Herod's keeping track of this in his mind. And he, said, he, he asked the wise men, hey, when did, when, did, when did you first see this star? And then when the wise men didn't come back and tell him where Christ was, he wanted to make sure Christ was dead. And so he said, hey, listen, any, any baby in Jerusalem, or sorry, in uh, Bethlehem under the age of two, according to the time when the wise men had seen that star, we're going to kill him. That way we'll get rid of this king of the Jews that's been born, all right? Look, let's keep reading on our passage. The Bible says this, verse number eight, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now we understand from the story, obviously, that was not his intent. Verse number nine, and when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. Verse number 12, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now church family, there is, there's really a lot in these 12 verses. I wanna take a little different approach to this this morning. I, I want you to think about a couple things. Number, number one, I'm gonna make a few parallels in this passage this morning. Number one, I want you to think about the wise men and I want you to think about the fact that I believe the wise men were a picture of the believer. Now, you could, you could make application from this passage that the wise men were, were seeking Christ as unbelievers, but I really don't believe that because you go, when they first came to Jerusalem, they said this, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They, they already in their mind said, hey, Jesus, the king of the Jews, he's been born. They, they, they weren't coming to see, well, is he here? Is he really the king of the Jews? Or, or, or what kind of a baby is this that's really been born? They already in their mind, hey, this is, this is the Messiah. 
All right, now, I, I, they obviously didn't know all about Christ from the, from the scriptural point of view because they didn't understand uh, until Herod uh, 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 got the information to them. They didn't understand that Christ was supposed to be in Bethlehem. But they already in their mind said, hey, listen, this baby's been born. He's king of the Jews. The second thing I see is that uh, them being a picture of the believer, they were coming to worship him. They weren't coming to look for Christ for uh, necessarily for salvation. They were come, coming, and we're going to talk about it in a bit, but they were coming to worship him. So I believe the wise men are really a picture of the believer. Now, hear me out. I'm going to give you a couple other parallels in this passage. I want you to think about Herod this morning, and that's really where we're going to go. I want you to think about Herod as a picture of Satan. Now you say, well, Brother Smith, now, now, again, I don't believe he was Satan in this passage. I'm just making an application to parallel. But I want you to think about it. Think about this. When comparing Herod and Satan, both were very prideful. Okay, so Satan, we, what we know about Satan from the beginning is what? He got cast out of heaven because he said, I will be like the Most High. The first thing we see about Herod here in this passage is he's troubled because, hey, they, they say there's another king born here? This is not, this is not good. You, you see him full of pride. Think about this. Both Herod and Satan, their goal or their purpose is to destroy Christ. If, if Satan could, and he can't because he's not stronger than God, not stronger than Christ, but if Satan could, he would destroy Christ. We, very clearly the scriptures talks about in verse number 13 after the story of the wise men how the angel comes and talks to Joseph in a dream and he says uh, take, arise take the young child his mother and flee into Egypt look at the last uh, uh, statement there in verse 13 for Herod will seek the young child what to destroy him so, so in comparing Herod with Satan this morning Satan's desire is to destroy Christ that's what, that's what Herod's desire was also I, I see another parallel in verse number eight. You see how Herod is very deceitful. What's he say to the wise men? He says, hey, go find out where this child is. And when you find out where he's at, send me back word because I want to come and I want to worship him. A church family, we know the story. That was not his intent. He didn't, he didn't want anybody worshiping the Christ child. But he was deceitful. Can I tell you, Satan is, the scripture calls him the father of lies. Everything about, the, from, from the very beginning of Satan's interaction with man in the garden, he's being deceitful. He's lying. He's trying to trip you up. And can I tell you, he still does that every day in the lives of Christians. So I see in comparison with Herod and Satan that both are deceitful. I see another comparison. Both are willing to kill people to go against Christ. You think about Herod, when he couldn't find out where Christ was and kill Christ, he said, okay, I, I, I can't even fathom the amount of grief there must have been in Bethlehem. But he said, okay, any baby less than two years old, we're going to kill them. I, I can't imagine the, the, the soldiers, I don't, know how, I don't know how they carried that out, but I can't imagine, in my mind, I imagine soldiers going house to house, hey, how old are your kids? Under two? All right, sorry, done. I can't imagine how the, the amount of turmoil there must have been in Bethlehem, but that's the extent that Herod was willing to go to to make sure that Christ was killed. Now, can I tell you, Satan is no different. 
He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about anybody else. He cares about going against God. Why does it say in Ephesians that, that our, our battle is a spiritual battle? We, we, can't, we can't see God. We can't see Satan. We have faith in God, but our battle is spiritual. We're, we're fighting against the prince and power of the air, the, the wiles of the devil it talks about. So I, I see the parallel between Herod and, again, him being a picture of Satan. Now, let me say one more thing. I, I'm going to state the obvious this morning. God and Satan are opposites. They're as, they're as opposite as you can get. Now, I realize there are so many times that even in Christianity that we try to mix things that are of the world and of Satan and of the devil and we try to mix them with Christianity, we try to mix them with the Bible, we try to, we try to be a fence rider many, many times. Can I tell you, God and Satan are as far apart as they can possibly, there's much opposite as they can be. The, the Bible talks about uh, uh, God is what? He's light and Satan is darkness. Uh, God is holy and Satan is as unholy and as vile as, as you can possibly be. Uh, God, what he, what's, what's he do? He gives life. He gives eternal life. What do you get from Satan? Eternal death. Right. Uh, Satan, that, 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 they're, they're opposites. Now, church family, I want to go back to one verse. And I want to look at one phrase that you and I have read in this passage many, many, many times. And I want to, I want to take the thought from that this morning. Go back to verse number Three. With the thought in mind of Herod being a picture of Satan, I want to look at verse number three. The Bible says, when Herod the king heard these things. Now look at what the Bible said. The Bible says he was troubled. Now, if you look up the word troubled, the word, the word troubled means to royal water or to agitate. Now, I realize most, probably most people have uh, front-loading washing machines, but if you have one of the, the top-load washing machines, you open that thing up, you go to put the laundry in there, there's a little round white thing in the middle that looks like kind of like a little screw, well, a big screw, and when you turn that machine on, that's an agitator, and it sets in there, and it goes like this while you're putting that laundry in, and it turns it, and it, you might say, it roils the water, it stirs things up. Okay, now the Bible uses this word troubled when it's talking about Herod. When Herod heard that the wise men were there in Jerusalem and he heard that they were looking for Christ, the Bible says he was troubled. He was stirred up inside. Church family, have you ever had something that's just bothered you inside? You just couldn't, we call it a, sometimes you call it a bee under your bonnet or something like that. You, we would use those type of statements to say something that just bothers me inside. That's the way this was for Herod. Herod looked at this news that he had heard. Now, as far as I know, at this point in time, verse number three, I don't think he had talked to the wise men. I think in verse number three, he's hearing reports that, hey, there's these guys in town and they're asking around about this king of the Jews. They're asking around about Jesus and, and, and they're, they're saying they want to go and worship him. And in, in, in Herod's mind, the Bible says he's troubled. Wait a second, I, he's so troubled, I've got to do something about this. So then he goes into action and he does what we have in the story in these 12 verses. But I want you to think about this. He was troubled because the wise men we're doing right. Amen. The picture of the believer. Can I ask you this morning, if we were to look at your life, does your life trouble Satan? 
does your life stir up Satan? Now, now I realize our purpose is not necessarily to royal Satan, not to agitate Satan. Our purpose is to honor and glorify God. But can I tell you, if you're living the kind of life that God wants you to live, your life is going to be agitating Satan. Amen. That's not my purpose, but if, if my life, if, if Satan looks at Barney Smith's life and says, ah, oh, just let him be, just let him do what he's doing, then apparently Barney Smith is not what he ought to be as a Christian. These wise men didn't come to Jerusalem with the intent to try to make Herod mad. But because of who they were seeking, and because of what they were doing, because of what they were saying, it made Herod upset. Now, for the next few minutes, I want to look at just the three things that the wise men said in verse number two about what troubled Herod. And I want to apply it this morning on our lives. It's what we ought to be doing, which is going to trouble Satan. It's going to cause Satan to be upset because why? It's what God wants us to do for our lives. Now, verse, verse number two, the first thing, church family, I realize pastor preached last Sunday morning about seeking Christ. You cannot look at this story. That, that is the overwhelming truth of the wise men. The first thing that I see that, 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 that Herod was troubled about or he was upset about was because they were seeking Christ. They're looking for him. They're seeking him. Church family, how much seeking are you doing when it comes to Christ? It, it, the, the, the message, I know I keep referring to the message last Sunday morning was so clear. How, how do I seek Christ? I seek Christ through the word of God. I seek Christ through uh, 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 the, the man of God and the spirit of God. Those, those are the ways that I seek Christ. But is your life made up of seeking Christ? When you look at your life, does it irritate Satan that everything about your life is you're trying to find out what is God's will for my life? What does, what does God want me to do that's going to please him? And how, how can I know uh, the Savior better? And what, what is it that I can learn more about Christ? Is your life made up of seeking Christ? I think about the wise men and this idea of seeking Christ. It wasn't just passive. Do, do you realize, I don't, know, I don't know how far their journey was to get to Jerusalem, but do you realize that they had to prepare for this? This wasn't just a, oh, let's go to Jerusalem and look for Christ today. This was a, for one, you know, we think of travel in our day as, oh, hey, if I want to be in California tomorrow, I go buy a plane ticket. Or, that might not work nowadays, but get, rent a car or something. I can, I can get there. These guys didn't have those options. When they went to look for Christ, this was something they prepared for. I think about the fact that the time that it took them to go and to do this, no map, no address to go to. Amen. They're following a star. I, I think about the fact that the wise men, when they went to look for Christ, they left everything behind. Their homes, their family, everything went on hold until they could find Christ. And when you think about your life, when you think about how you seek Christ, would that be the example of your life also? Do you prepare in your mind, how am I going to seek Christ? What am I going to do this next year in 2022 to seek Christ? Do, do you think about, hey, listen, I don't care what time, what amount of time it takes me. More important than anything else in my life is me knowing Christ, me knowing his will for my life, uh, me, me having uh, the, the heart and mind of Christ each and every day this next year that I live. 
are you, are you willing to leave everything behind? But they were seeking Christ. So, so first of all, I see they're seeking Christ. What, what else troubled Herod? I want you to look back at verse number two, and I want you to notice this. The Bible says, they came to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born? And look at the next statement. King of the Jews. I want you to notice the word king is capitalized. And I want you to notice when it talks about Herod, it's not capitalized. When these wise men came, they were not talking about just another king. If, if, if you look up the word king, it, it means sovereign. In other words, we talk about the sovereignty of God, of God being in control of everything. When these wise men came and they started going around Jerusalem and saying, hey, do you know where this, this, this baby's been born? We, we've been following the star and, and we're looking for Jesus, the, the Christ child. When they started doing that, they said, hey, where is he that is born king of the Jews, the one who is sovereign, the one who is in control of everything. Now, I'm going to tell you, that made Herod upset. Wait a second. I'm king. I ought to be in control. I'm in control of what happens in Jerusalem. But these wise men recognized there's someone else who's sovereign. There's someone else who's king. Now, church family, whether or not you believe in the sovereignty of God or whether or not you live that out in your life does not change the fact that God's in control. Amen. He's in control whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not. But can I tell you what the wise men did? They recognized it. Can I ask you in your life, do you stop and recognize that God is in control? Hey, when your life seems to go amiss and when there seems to be trials and problems or when they, the, the, the life seems to take a detour for you, do you get all upset at people or do we recognize that, hey, God's in control. God is king. It's, it's interesting to me, you think about Job in the Old Testament. And you think about when Job's friends came to Job. <laughs> I, 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 th I think our world does this a lot. But they come to Job and they said, all right, Job, I'm going to tell you why you're going through all this. You're going through all this because you're wicked. And they try putting the blame. Hey, you know why Job was going through that? Because God allowed it. Right. Satan had to come to God and say, hey, can I do something to Job? And, and God was the one that said, okay, you can take everything he has, but don't touch him. Then the second time Satan comes to God, God said, okay, well, you can touch Job, but you can't take his life. Why? Because God is sovereign and he's Amen. in control. Can I tell you it's the same way in our life? But you know what you and I oftentimes do? We look at our life and we say, well, this happened because of that guy. This happened because of my job or my boss or, or this person over here. Hey, can I tell you why things happen in our life? And I'm not trying to take away the accountability of our actions, but things happen in our life because there's a sovereign God. Amen. These men came to Jerusalem and they said, hey, we are looking for this child, this baby that's been born. And this baby that's been born, we believe that he is the king of the Jews. He's sovereign. He's in control of everything. Can I tell you, when you do that in your life, it makes Satan upset. He wants you to think that the lost world around you is controlling your life. He wants you to think that money 
is in control or that people are in control or that circumstances just happen. It, it, it amazes me, it frustrates me, but it amazes me. We, we, there, are, there are some horrific things that happen in our world, uh, earthquakes and uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, where mass amounts of property and lives are destroyed. And every time the lost world looks at that and they try to figure out who are we going to blame for this? What man, what human caused this? Because they don't want to say God allowed it to happen. Amen. Amen. Right. Can I tell you what you ought to do in your life as a Christian? You ought to stop and say, you know what? My life happens because there's a God in heaven. Right. I can't even breathe breath unless he gives it to me. Amen. I want you to look at the last thing this morning. Not only did it, were they upset because, well, not only was King Herod upset because they were looking for Christ, not only was he upset because they said he's king of the Jews, but lastly, I, I, the last statement in the verse, they said, we are come to worship him. Now, I don't know if it's just because the way the wise men are depicted, but I think as Christians, when we think about the wise men, and we think of the decorations that people have. And I realize that a lot of people put the wise men at the manger and that's not the case and so on. But we think about the wise men. We think about the gifts. They're bringing gifts to Christ. Can I tell you, the wise men didn't just come to Christ so they could deliver a gift. The wise men came to Christ. Why? So that they could worship him. Amen. So that they could worship him. Do we as Christians, do we really think in our mind that I want to worship, or in other words, reverence and adore Christ? Or do we live our Christian life out of duty? I've got to read my Bible today, or I've got to go to church today, or I've got to uh, do this or do that because it's a part of my duty and my Christian life. Or do we say, how can I worship Christ? These men made this trip not so they could give him a gift, although that was part of it. They came because they wanted to bring honor and reverence and adoration to the king of the Jews. Hey, can I ask you this morning? Do you worship Christ? When's the last time that you just said in your mind, what, what can I do to bring honor to him? How can, how can I bring reverence or show reverence or, 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 or show adoration to Christ for all that he's done for us? That's right. Now, can I, can I tell you, when they came to worship, they came, just a few simple thoughts. They came, first of all, when, they, when, when, they, in, when their mind, they come to Jerusalem, we're coming to worship. They wanted to be in his presence. We're not just going to worship him from afar. We want to find him. Can I tell you, if you and I want to worship Christ, you ought to desire to be in his presence. Amen. Whether that's in your personal devotion time, whether that's setting in a Sunday school hour or a church service, I, I, want to be, I want to have communication with him. I want to be in his presence. Why? Because I want to bring him glory and honor. I, I see they wanted to be in his presence. I see this. They kneeled in verse number, uh, verse number 11 when they came to the house. What do they do to worship? Hey, Humility. 
I, I want to bring honor to him. I don't want there to be anything about me. I think, I think us is what gets in the way of our worship more often than not. It's because I don't say, I am nothing so that I can lift him up. Uh, like, like, like John says in the, in the New Testament, I must decrease, why? So that he can increase. Amen. So I see that they, they kneeled, they were humility, humble. And then you can't get around the fact that part of their worship was, they said, okay, we're gonna give him gifts. Yeah. And church family, they didn't bring Christ their leftovers. The Bible says they went to their treasures. Amen. They opened up the stuff that they had in this life that was the most precious to them. And they said, this is where I'm going to take from to give to Christ. Amen. Can I ask you this morning, when it comes to worship, what do you give Christ? I realize you could apply this a lot of different directions. But do we just give Christ whatever leftover time we have? Do we just give Christ, if I have money left over at the end of the month, then I'll give towards the Christmas for Christ offering, or then I'll give towards missions, or then, then I'll give towards this or that? Or do we say in our mind, I want to worship him, and I want to do that so bad that, hey, I'm going to take what's, what's most precious to me, and that's what I'm going to take, and I'm going to give it to him because I want to give him reverence I want to give him adoration. Now, church family, let me sum it up. Here's Herod. The wise men come to Jerusalem. They say, hey, we're looking for the king of the Jews. Herod, the Bible says, is troubled. He's agitated. Why? He's troubled because people are seeking Christ. Satan is troubled when you and I seek Christ. He's troubled when we're looking for Christ. Not only was Herod troubled for that, Herod was troubled because they said, hey, this is the king of the Jews. Satan is troubled when you and I say, you know what, God, you're sovereign. You're in control of everything in my life. And last but not least, Herod was troubled because they said our purpose in coming is we want to worship. And can I tell you, when you and I stop and say, hey, listen, I don't care what else happens in my life. I want to, I want to bring worship and honor and adoration to Christ. Amen. That troubles Satan. That's right. My life is not looking, well, how can I jab Satan necessarily? My life is looking for how I can bring honor and glory to God. Well, I want to tell you something. If you bring honor and glory to God, you're going to bring trouble to Satan.